Kiwi contemporary artist Frances U. Pritchard has earned an international reputation for her arresting and often unnerving sculptural works. The expat has been Europe-based since 1998, but at the moment she's home to install her new exhibition, Paper Creature Stone, at Christchurch Art Gallery. After creating much of it while she was artist-in-residency at the Sutton House in Altautahi. For these new works, Frances collaborated with a fashion designer, a jeweller and a ceramicist to create her distinctive humanesque forms and glazed pots, as well as her watercolour paintings. Do take a look in our photo gallery of her work on our webpage. First, I asked Frances about her Sutton House residency. It was absolutely wonderful. I really like I live in London, so I have not a lot of peace and quiet day to day. And to be dropped into the red zone, into a very beautiful house with the studio attached was and, and a gorgeous garden. When I arrived, there were grapefruit all over the tree, there were lemons in the back tree, there were um, peaches on, on another. And of course, being in the red zone, there's apples and pears and things everywhere. So for me, that is wonderful. Living off the land and having a lovely, cute little kitchen to cook in, as well as the studio just next door. So wonderful. Now, you could have kept those doors closed and kept to yourself and and produced your work. But one of the things I love about this is its collaborative nature. And that, I think, was key for you, working with other makers around the country. Absolutely. Well, the house almost gave me that as a little bit of a gift start to think about because, um, of course, Bill Sutton built that that building with his good friend from art school, Tom Taylor. So, and they collaborated, apparently collaborated quite a lot on the house. The house is very odd. It's got a cute little orchid room and and sunken pits. And um, so collaboration felt like something I needed to do. Also, at the beginning of the year, I decided to have a, I don't normally do... Um, New Year's resolutions, but that year I thought I wanted to ask for more help, and it's it's been really nice. I, I never, you know, being an artist, you you get really in in the studio and you focus and focus, and sometimes you block out other people. So that was a a way of telling myself to open up a little bit, and collaboration was a big part of that. You know, I'm I was born in New Plymouth, so the first person I collaborated with was a really lovely potter called Nicholas Brandon. He's in his 70s now, but he's been making amazing pots almost all his adult life. And he's got a, um, a small pottery outside of New Plymouth in Kaimata. He threw me a whole bunch of extremely big, very, very beautiful pottery vessels. And I popped in to see him. He's like, Franny, where have you been? I've got all these ready for you. And um, when are you going to decorate them? I was like, OK, wow, that's the most amazing start to the show. There's a range of figures too there. You have you know, some figures that look quite real and others which probably I'm more th- used to with your work which are really abstract. But, I mean, one of them here, the way I see it, and perhaps this is a context, Francis, feels like a, a child with its um, hands behind its head cowering and I can't help but think Ukraine. Now, I know you made these some time ago before the war, but it is interesting as a viewer what we impose on art g- given what's happening around us at the time. Yeah, I mean, I've been deeply worried about Europe at the moment. My husband's from the north of Italy, and we've got a lot of friends in Germany. And although I'm really happy to be here at the moment, I'm really um, very concerned for what's happening outside, and especially in Ukraine. But with my work, I try not to have politics there. I I read a lot, and um, I, of course, care a lot about many things. But with the work, I try and almost 
hit hermetically seal it away from from sense my artwork doesn't want to make sense and it doesn't need to say anything but didactic in any way I, I make things intuitively and quickly and I try and let it be in the world and it's in its own space um, but I think one of the, the joys of visual art is that is the response that you get you know and and oh, absolutely. To it. Yeah, yeah. It's your job as a viewer to sort of understand for you what it means, not much to do with me. You're working with a material that I hadn't heard about before, a form of, of rubber. What's the story behind this? So that's a wild rubber. I discovered it when I went on a residency in, I don't know, 15, 18 years ago in the north of Brazil. I, at the time before then, I was making a lot of work with found objects and I got to Brazil and I was looking for some things to build upon, like, for example, an old bucket or something like this. But in Brazil, in that area, it's very poor and there's not a lot of things from China, you know, people make of their objects and um, there's no secondhand market at all. So I had to start from scratch and find a material that I didn't have to work upon. And I went to a craft fair and I found this most amazing man making these beautiful animal sculptures in rubber and I asked him for a lesson unfortunately my translator was very very bad so we had a very hilarious time mostly talking with feet and hands as I say in Italy and he taught me how to work with his rubber and I've been working with him ever since it's quite a process isn't it it's a big process so um even to extract the rubber so the rubber's wild it's from the equator it only grows in the equator this particular type of rubber it's the tallest of the rubber trees um, he sends a little team out. There's three guys and they go every two years to a stand of trees and they scar the tree. This tree then drips down the latex and into a bag, which then they collect that liquid and then they um, boil it over a fire and it solidifies. And then after they've got a few tons of that, which is many, many, many hours and weeks of work they float they wait to the rainy season and they float it down the river walk back with it because it's too heavy to carry on your back and bring it back to my friend Darlindo who then uses it himself for his craft and sells a little bit to me and, and the other thing I want to say about this I love it because it's um totally ecologically friendly um those trees are then left for four years and then once they're healed they can once again um bleed the trees for more for more sap which also means that people protect the air of the forest because um, they they need these trees to live. It's their livelihood, so no one's going to cut it down to raise beef stock or, or anything like that on. So anyway, when um, I get the rubber material, he, he ships it to me from Brazil, and um, I soak it over water, uh, overnight in water, cold water, and then they slowly bring it up to the heat the next morning, and then I get a malleable... The sort of dough-like consistency the rubber becomes, very malleable, and then I sculpt it under cold water. I have to work very quickly, so the figures are very different from the figurative work that I make in plastics because it's goopy, it is very uncontrollable, and it's extremely fun. Yeah, what, what does it feel like in the hand, this material? Because you, you often work with um, clays. Yeah, well, it's very, I love it, actually, because I don't like working with clay. I don't like having dusty hands. So for me, it's actually really lovely. It's, it feels like very hot dough. It's quite hard on the hands because you're going from very hot water to cold water. But um, I think my hands are made of part asbestos because being a sculptor, you, have, you get very rough hands. And um, I can 
pick up anything of any um, temperature really. I love the feel and it's got the most amazing smell and it smells like sort of a swampy compost. Some people think it smells horrible, but I'm, I'm into compost and um, I, I love the smell. You have, however, still worked with, with clay uh, and some of your um, figures. And this is where you're working, I think, with a fashion designer and, and a jeweller. So how did you approach that, Francis? Did you make your figures and pose your figures, because the posing is all important, and mm-hmm. then go to Stephen and Carl uh, and work with them? Or was it collaborative from before that time and, and their work well, influenced um, you? Oh, well, Carl Fritsch, um, I discovered many years ago, I just saw a friend in Carl, uh, Hamish Mackay and he had a culprit ring on his little finger and I zeroed in and I was like, what is that? He's like, oh, it's Carl Fritsch. He's a German designer. And I was like, I got to meet this guy. So, oh, he happens to be in Auckland. And then I had a show at Art Space at the time in Auckland and Carl and I collaborated on that work and we've worked collaboratively ever since then. And that must be coming close to 15, 20 years. So with that work, you know, debutantes gloves or people, women used to wear gloves all the time. And so in op shops, you can easily find the leather gloves. And I discovered by accident that if you heat them up in hot water, they'll shrink. So I make little armatures for the gloves, shrink them onto these armatures. And then I took them up to Carl's, who now handily lives in Wellington. And um, he made me these gorgeous, gorgeous little rings that absolutely amazing. And so... Um, that's how it was Carl. And Stephen Jiddle Park is quite a different way. I was introduced to his work after watching the Aldous Harding video. Um, I think it's called The Barrel. And she's wearing an exquisite outfit with very strange shoes, a very strange jumper suit and a, an extraordinary hat. And I'd asked around about him because I heard he lived in Christchurch and met him. And then very sweetly, he agreed to collaborate with me. So I made that figure. I, I made the armature and then sort of side by side, we, we, I'd make the figure and add things to that and, and he'd work on the clothing. I get a sense you must spend an awful lot of time thinking about the posing, Francis, and it can make you feel quite un- uncomfortable. You know, your figures aren't really you know, relaxing or resting when you look at them. Their hands might be in a certain position. Does the pose come before the figure? What, how does this work? Um, I don't really think about my art at all. Um, it's to me much more to do with looking and doing and I'm sure there must be some sort of thought process going on there in the back of my head but it's much more about trying things out I maybe I I sketch a lot I do a lot of watercolors very quickly and that usually informs basic postures and then I make a steel armature and then even though steel is quite stiff there's definitely room to bend and then I'll put the hands on top so I've got quite a lot of movement with that so it's intuitive and and it's what feels right and also because you know Stephen's helping with the costume it's what 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 shows off his work well too. We're talking about your figurative work here Francis but also Mm -hmm. I think we have some watercolours from you here. We do. I had a really lovely I went to Burnside um, High School here in Christchurch and I had a lovely sculpture teacher called Glynis Parry I, I, I loved painting and I'd worked with Nancy Bracey at Girls High School and she really taught me to paint and to draw, but they were beautiful images and she encouraged me when I was making sculpture in my last year at school to not see 
drawing as something to make a finished product, but actually to use drawing as a tool. And that's been really useful my entire life. And so mostly I paint to get information down and sitting in the Sutton House room in my in, in the studio looking out into the gorgeous garden there's the most crazy fig tree out there and I became absolutely in awe of this fig tree and I just started painting it every day because I wanted to capture the way that light played behind it I'm a terrible photographer I can't take a photo of anything but this was a way of me capturing how light moves with with the fig tree and most of the paintings in the show are fig tree paintings We'll be losing you back to London, I assume, pretty soon, Francis. Well, what's the scene like over there? It's hard to say because for the last two years, everyone's been inside. Um, I've done a lot of non-cultural things and I've seen a few shows, but normally, as you might be able to tell, my practice is very collaborative and I work with lots of people making things and talking about art and the last two years haven't been that. And also Brexit has been pretty upsetting over there too because what I loved about London was the multi multinational aspect of it and many of my friends from other places have been moving away. I'm concerned about moving back to London, but I'm also excited. Also last year, um, my husband, who's Italian, and I, we lived in Italy for the year, so that was a challenging and exciting thing to do for a year. Unfortunately, my language skills are terrible, so... I'm trying to learn Italian and German since he speaks German at home, but um, I'm, I'm understanding a lot, but speaking little. Francis U. Pritchard, Paper Creature Stone, opens at Christchurch Art Gallery on the 2nd of April.